0: Matthew six, Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. So fathers, we approach this theme of hypocrisy now. We ask Lord that the words of Jesus and the truth of what you would have for us will be impressed on our hearts, that we might find in Christ our needs answered, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, the theme of hypocrisy is a bad news item that makes its way into our national papers quite a bit. And Tim Pat Coogan was writing on the theme in The Independent. He wrote an article entitled, How the Church Made Ireland a Society, Rife with Hypocrisy and Sexual Guilt. And he tells a story of how, as a young man, he went to visit one of the Aran Islands in in the 50s, in 1959. And he became friendly with a family there. And the mother became pregnant by a man who was not her husband. The husband was away. And the woman's pregnancy led to a withdrawal of friendship and intense isolation for her. And on the morning that the baby was born, as she was recovering from labor in bed, the parish priest visited the house, not to comfort her or to congratulate her for her newborn child, but rather to tell her that she was in mortal sin. And that same day, an islander called to speak with the parish priest the priest did not come to the door, and the islander soon found out because the priest was busy having sex with the nurse who had just delivered the baby. And He goes on to say, such was the awe with which the church was regarded at this time, very little was ever said about it. The priest in due course got a rousing send off when he left for another parish. I remember a lady who remarked to the priest, you must be very proud. They all love you so much. You have done such great work. And he comments that such individuals set forth the evils of immorality, and all the while, as a shocked public would later discover, many of these same thunderers were raping boys, keeping mistresses, and where money was concerned, grabbing anything they could lay their hands on as they set themselves up as moral arbiters. And no one talked about that in the 1950s. Everybody talks about it now. One scandal has been heaped on another in Ireland and in other countries around the world. Christian hypocrisy has caused great pain. It's caused great pain here in Ireland and you will have stories from your own settings where you've experienced it too. It's not hard to find church leaders across all traditions who have been removed from office for bully tactics, for sexual harassment, for spiritual abuse, right up to today. And some, sadly, never even get caught. You may have heard of Rabbi Zacharias. He was a world-renowned Christian apologist who traveled globally for more than 40 years doing something of what I am doing today, giving a reason for the faith. After his death, it emerged he had been a serial sexual abuser of vulnerable women. And one victim said he made her pray with him to thank God for the opportunity they had both received. And as with other victims, called her his reward for living a life of service to God before going on to warn her that if she ever spoke out against him, she would be responsible for millions of souls when his reputation was damaged. I could give you stories all morning similar to that, and you could tell me your own. And this is why for many people, they just cannot stomach Christians and Christianity. And it's understandable for people to say, why believe when Christians are so hypocritical? It's a legitimate and important question. Why believe? Well, the first thing I want to say to you today is that if you hate hypocrisy, you're in very good company. You're in the best of company, because Jesus hated it too and vehemently spoke against it. In Matthew 6, verse 5, which we were reading earlier, he addresses it. There he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And this helps us with a definition of what we mean by hypocrisy. Because it's being a fake, it's saying one thing and then doing something completely other. It's trying to look good on the outside while hiding a very ugly truth on the inside. It's putting a mask on to appear impressive and cover up the real you. So that when what you say you are in public is not who you really are in private. That's hypocrisy. And Jesus hated that and he spoke right to it. He spoke through it. He saw it and he addressed it. Now that term hypocrisy it comes from Greek drama. It comes from the idea of putting on a mask to simply play a part that isn't really you. It's not about being perfect. It's about pretending. It's about pretending to be something you're not. A deep-seated inconsistency. And Jesus found hypocrisy absolutely intolerable, especially, most especially, the religious kind of hypocrisy. That incensed him the most. Later in Matthew's gospel, he publicly denounces the respected religious leaders of his day for their hypocrisy, and it's quite the juicy spectacle. If you want to look in your Bibles in Matthew 23, you'll find that on page, where are we, 700. So open that up, you'll find that on page 700. And we're gonna read from verses 23. Jesus is speaking to the respected religious leaders of the day. We're just gonna read a small section of what he says. It's quite the litany of accusations he puts before them. In verse 23 he says, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness, You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strained out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the sin of your forefathers. (coughs) Excuse me. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Goodness, so, so strong I can hardly speak it. so you can see from that can't you just how intolerable jesus found religious hypocrisy he knows the heart he knows hypocrisy when he sees it and he condemns it so if you really hate hypocrisy and you hate religious hypocrisy especially you're in the best of company These guys claim to care about God and his ways, but they really only care about themselves and clapping themselves on the back. They look all polished and nice on the outside, but actually they're rancid like a rotting tomb. Woe to you, Jesus says. You you couldn't care less about the people around you. You're fussing about minor details and you're ignoring everything that matters. You want to look good and you're ignoring the needy all around you. And Jesus says, you'll notice at the end, of what I read there to you, he says to them that they will experience nothing short of hell for what they have done. How will you escape being condemned? He asks to hell. Bravo, we might say. We might congratulate the fact that Jesus says, judgment is coming and it won't go accounted for. But why believe? And I think one of the reasons we need to believe is because we're all hypocrites and in need of forgiveness. If we only clap and delight in seeing others being made to pay, if we celebrate our being woke, we are falling into the very error Jesus is calling out. In fact, as we saw in 1 John, if we say we are without sin and without need of correction, repentance, and forgiveness ourselves, If we only point the finger, we make God out to be a liar. So hypocrisy, you see, isn't a lack of perfection. It's actually a lack of repentance. Christians are called to put their hands up and say, you know what, yes, I am an absolute mess. I do things wrong. I acknowledge that. I have sinned. I I admit that I have not and do not live consistently, that I am hypocritical. The true Christian life is one of constant acknowledgement of that reality and of repentance and faith and of not pretending, which was the criticism Jesus leveled at the Pharisees. Hypocrisy is pretense, it's denial, it's hiding and its pretense which hurts others and grieves God and will be called to account by the Lord Jesus himself. And so, whatever our entry point into this theme, hypocrisy attracts either the woe of certain judgment or the wake up call of forgiveness. It only will travel down one of those two routes, either the woe of certain judgment or the wake-up call of forgiveness. But it will not go unresolved before God. Of that you can be certain because the scriptures are completely uncompromising on this reality. And how is that forgiveness possible? How could such hypocrisy be forgiven? Doesn't it make light of the kind of grievous things we began with and that we see around us? Well, the only person who never was hypocritical and who never needed forgiveness, of course, was the one who was issuing those woes, Jesus himself. Yet he ends up crucified because the woe he spoke of comes upon him. And when he speaks those damning words to these religious leaders, he is on the way to the cross himself. Though he's no hypocrite, he takes all that hypocrisy all of that rancid self-seeking, all of that denial upon himself, and he's given the death penalty for it. That's how much hypocrisy matters to God. And that is the lens with which he will go to to rescue you from it and to rescue you from the hell Jesus spoke about. So if you want to know how seriously God takes it, look to what Jesus says in the scriptures and look to the cross. Why believe when Christians are such hypocrites? Because you're on the same page as Jesus Christ on this issue, who calls you to repentance, just as he called the hypocrites around him to do so. And when we react to hypocrisy, and it's only right that we do, isn't there a part of us that essentially thinks we're just better than that, that we're a little bit better than that? And Jesus told another short story that tends to sober us up. In Matthew 7, in verses 3 to 5, we read, When you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, why, rather, do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So whatever your take on Christianity and Christians, you cannot get away from the fact that you have got your own personal, tailored, moral standard, which you think hypocrisy contravenes. But the question is, How do you arrive at that particular moral conviction? What is your base point for finding hypocrisy intolerable? You have your moral standards, but how do you form those standards? You have a moral code that you live by, however you may define it, but if I were to ask you and you were to answer honestly, you would say that you yourself do not live consistently even with your own moral codes. None of us and none of you live consistently with your own standards. None of us do. None of us is entirely uh, consistent. We all contradict ourselves somewhere. And is it therefore not a contradiction to cheer Jesus on as he rebukes the leaders of his day and yet choose to ignore silence, minimize or disagree with the other things he says that we don't find so acceptable because those things are a little bit closer to the bone. And we just don't quite like the taste of those things in our mouth. Like when Jesus says, repent and believe. Like when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And I think it's a little bit easier to point out hypocrisy in others because part of us prefers to have the higher moral ground and to use the error we see as greater in others to not address the issues going on in our own lives and hearts. We prefer the moral ground. But I want to encourage you to believe despite hypocrisy because the higher higher moral ground will only make you into a greater and more hardened hypocrite. I was called a hypocrite myself a little while ago in quite a heated exchange. Time was against me. I was meant to be getting to the dentist and I had a very limited window to get there. I was due to meet my neighbor, Jim. Jim was coming to this building to service our boiler for the heating. Jim was running dangerously late in terms of my appointment for the dentist. He wasn't particularly late by his standards, but I hadn't given myself enough wiggle room. It was my own bad. But the night before, Jim said to me, where am I going to park when I come in? I said, no problem, Jim. I've got that sorted. There's an underground. Fine. I'll get you in there. Said, what about the ladder? Is the ladder going to fit through? The ladder will be fine. I'll see you in the morning. I'm in the lots back there. I'm looking at my watch, I'm thinking I'm gonna miss this appointment, Jim's not here, this is getting stressful, I'm getting nervy, I'm getting cranky. Jim appears casually, easy going Jim, down the lots, okay, here's Jim, now I'm gonna have to see the Jim because he's here, I can't pass this on to anybody else in the building. Jim comes in, okay, let's go he says, let's get into this parking. So we drive down, I phone the hostel, they open the gate, we drive down. (coughs) bang the ladder wallops against the barrier jim is looking at me to say you're an idiot you know that and so i'm getting more stressed jim's reversing up the drive and then around the corner out of nowhere this figure appears and he just stands in front of me and he's saying why did you hit that barrier you hit the barrier I know I hit the barrier. I didn't mean to hit the barrier. But the ladder doesn't fit. We're just trying to get ourselves sorted out here. And he starts saying, you can't park there. I'm thinking, good grief, man, tell me something I don't know. I know I can't park there. We're trying to sort out the ladder. We're trying to get in here. And he's getting increasingly agitated. He said, well, why did you hit that shutter? And Why are you parked there? You can't park there. I said, I know I can't. I'm thinking I'm going to kill this guy seriously and Jim is looking at me thinking he's going to kill him or he's going to kill the both of us and things then start to escalate he says to me what are you doing here anyway this is a private car park honestly at this point I feel I feel like I could punch this guy and I said to him I think who is this guy give me a break Jim is looking on like he might start a fight for for all of us and he repeats again that I can't park on the ramp and can I not read the sign? I know that. I'm with the church next door. I know. What church? I said, Emmanuel Church. By the hostel. We have permits. I know. That was when things went absolutely nuclear at that point. That explains it, that explains it. He said to me, ever since I spoke to you, you showed me no respect. You acted as if I have no authority around here. You Christians, you Christians, you're all the same. You hypocrites. Jim is still standing there. He said, I should have known. And then he said, why can't, why can't you be more like your master? Why can't you be more like Jesus and just do what he says? Why do you say one thing? Why do you say one thing and then you do another? You're all the same, you Christians, you're hypocrites. With the church, I should have known. So he walked away, fuming. My heart was racing. Jim is just flicking his eyes to heaven. I'm looking at the watch thinking, I'm never going get to get to this dentist. Now what am I going to do? Honestly, I felt like going over and throttling that guy. That's what I felt like doing at that point. After a few minutes, I said, okay, I need to suck this up. I shouldn't have spoken to this guy like that. That's fair enough. So I went over and I said to him, listen, I apologize. I shouldn't have reacted like that. I'm sorry. That made him worse. He got more mad, and he said to me, why did you do it in the first place? Why did you react like that? Why are you not more like your master Jesus? I'll tell you why. It's because you and all you Christians, you're hypocrites, that's why. I said, okay. You know what? I was wrong. I've offered you an apology. I don't pretend to be perfect. Us Christians get things wrong all the time. Even us people that work with and for churches do it all the time. That's precisely why I say what I do when I'm with the people in the church, because we need Jesus. That's why he died and rose again. And I'm sorry you've been given a bad impression by me this morning and by whoever has preceded me before this unholy event unfolded this morning. but he refused to accept my apology. And it seemed to me that he preferred to see himself as occupying the higher moral ground, and it was easier to keep the spotlight on me and whoever else he felt was a hypocrite than to take any action himself. And the whole thing was laden with a sad irony. He asked me, why do you not do what your master Said. But wrong as I was, I could have asked him exactly the same question. His objection was laden with the very hypocrisy he was accusing me of. Jesus was once asked, How many times should I forgive the person who offends me? Seven. Jesus says, 70 times seven, you forgive. The master also said that. I don't think this guy wanted to know that, and I wasn't about to get into it with him in case a fight broke out. And so there I ask you guys, why do you not do what Jesus says? Are you using the reality of hypocrisy out there as an excuse to stay away from the things you don't want to do with your life? and the things that Jesus says that cause you unease. You see, absolutely abhorrent as hypocrisy is, especially the religious kind, it does not make Christianity itself false. One does not cancel out the other. Because Christianity is based on the life, death, resurrection of Jesus in actual space, time, history. Me losing the head in an underground with Jim and the car park attendant does not undo the truth of what Christ has done. It doesn't make Christianity itself false, and being a hypocrite cannot undo what Jesus has done. Nor can it nullify what he says on this very subject. It pronounces your need of what he has to say on this subject and every other. The hypocrisy of others will not spare you when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we all fall short and can only plead what he has done. Be assured that justice will be done and will be seen to be done. But where will that leave you? So let me finish with one final story that Jesus told from Luke 18. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So don't let hypocrisy keep you from Jesus. Why not believe when Jesus tackles the very things you object to and calls you to follow him? I have learned that to be true. I invite you to explore that truth. And despite the mess of Jim and my timing, I still got to the dentist that day. So let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would give us the humility to see the plank in our own eye, to turn to you, to seek you to reveal our own inconsistencies and hypocrisies. Forgive us, Lord, where the way we have lived has sullied or given a bad witness to the truth to those around us. Forgive us for that. And help us insofar as it depends on us to seek to address that. And we pray that you would give us a grace-filled heart that is quick to acknowledge wrong and to repent and believe. Help us in a culture that has been so deeply hurt by hypocrisy to point them to the healing truth there is in Christ. We ask you these things in Jesus' name, amen.